Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Aaron, history title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling God, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined by my college basketball partner in crime. Uh, his friends know as Bill Christie, but on gambling Twitter, you know him as Larry's Locks. Find all of his picks on Twitter at Larry's Locks 2. Bill, it's great to have you aboard again. We are one week into the college basketball season, and we were just talking before we hopped on. The craziness doesn't seem to slow down, but hey, at least we still have games going on one weekend. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. Like I said in the first podcast, we're getting games in. The schedules are ever changing. And, you know, we just talked about Villanova possibly playing Texas this weekend. You just keep seeing these kind of games pop up. And to me, it's kind of like, you know, who, who, are the, who are the teams that are willing to step up to the plate? Like, you, you may have heard the story. Bob Huggins got in the horn right away when he saw there was an opening. He's like, hey, my guys are ready to go. Get us a game. 
You know, so it's right. good to see some of these teams that are really looking to bolster their resume, so to speak, early on this season. Because uh, probably they're thinking, you know, we don't know what we're going to get in. You know, how many games are actually going to get in? So the opportunities are there. The teams that are jumping on it, you got to respect it. And as a fan, you love it because you're getting to see all these games that you really weren't expecting to see uh, headed into the season. Yeah, and you know, let's talk about that for a minute because before we get into, we're going to pick some Wednesday games here, and we'll end the podcast talking about the two big TV games. I believe in Indianapolis. Am I correct that Gonzaga, West Virginia, and Baylor, yes. Illinois are neutral site games? Yes. Okay. Correct. So we will get to those at the end and give some picks throughout the pod. But I, that's an interesting point you make about Bob Huggins because I think sometimes as gamblers we can try and find things like this um, to gauge the locker room get a feel for the mood in a team is that when you hear something like that and you hear like hey like these guys are feasting for a game you know they're they're ready to keep playing and when it because obviously in this covid world things change very quickly and 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 everything can pivot and 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 we've seen that in the nfl the last couple weeks like you think that can be kind of a bet on signal on on a team like a west virginia when you know that they're trying to fill open dates and find games uh i want to I want to say yes and no. Um, sure. And the, and the reason I would say yes is for the reason you state, right? Like, they seem like they're hungry. They want to get those games in. But I also want to say no, too, because look at a game like the Virginia Tech-Villanova game where Villanova seemed like, hey, let's get another game in, a decent quality opponent like Virginia Tech. And they came out so flat. And I think it was because twofold. One, they were tired, right? Like, they were playing that, that tournament games leading up to it, and then – they come out flat too because they don't know what they're getting into. Like as far as a scouting report, like everything just seems to be rushed in that in that kind of state. So, you know, you might want to play yes, but at the same time, you know, you don't know what these teams are going to come out with on the short notice and, and not really being able to prepare the way they normally would. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So I guess is it more of a stay away or is it circumstantial way like anything else you pick your spots? Yeah, I think I think it's I think you gotta pick your spots. I think I would you know, I'm a, and we've talked about it before. I am a big proponent of how the line moves and how it comes out. Like if you see a line that really doesn't make sense, I'll be either gonna stay away or I'm gonna go the opposite of the public for sure. I say that and I did the exact opposite <laughs> earlier this week. We mentioned we talked about it a little before the podcast. With Virginia, like hindsight being twenty twenty, but the fact that Virginia was only laying thirteen in that game made absolutely no sense after a dominant performance of the game prior. Um, You're talking there about wasn't, San Francisco, yeah, and look, there wasn't right. that much info on San Francisco out there to be like, oh wow, these could be trouble for West or for uh, for Virginia. And the fact that I played that made me sick to my stomach after the fact. Again, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but it kind of goes to that theory of if the line doesn't make sense don't play the heavy public fave there. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point, and I think uh, that's all relevant. I mean, gosh, I, I feel like in college basketball, some of these lines, it, 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 they can be so accurate. It, it, it always amazes me every college basketball season, Bill, when the line, the numbers still feel like they're they're spot on. I lost a game today, Providence by a hook, and – I won a game by a point on Black Friday, Western Kentucky against West Virginia. I took seven, and, and it landed six for West Virginia. And it just feels like um, it, it's another reminder, and this is just a gambling proverb at large, but your your edge is just so small. Sure. And, it's, it, and I, I just feel in college basketball, 
it, you get reminded of that more so because there's so many games in a rotation and you think, oh, there has to be an edge somewhere. And maybe there is, but um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Sometimes when you feel like there's this massive edge and it's just like, oh, free money, they're giving yeah. this play away. I mean, yeah. gosh, there's the trend. And I think this is true in football too, but the unranked team favored over the favorite, like oh, yeah. how often like yep. those are the favorites you want to load up on, you know, because yep. – you know, the public always looks to that trendy dog, you know, getting the points. So, you know, another year, and uh, I think um, just that UVA upset, I mean, uh, I know you don't want to talk about it a ton, but <laughs> did you watch the game? What did you kind of take uh, from Actually, I, I I didn't watch one second of it. I was actually out on the golf course the entire afternoon, so I didn't. Okay. I kept checking the score thinking it was going to flip over. And, How's the golf game? Not. Golf game is pretty strong. Came second, second closest to a hole one uh, this past week. Wow. I was about three feet, three feet away, uh, playing a course. Where was I playing at? Somewhere in Central Jersey. Um, but yeah, close, second closest I've come. I've come, you know, within like a foot before a few sure. years ago. But that is the second closest, and it was on eighteen, so I was feeling good and thought it was dropping. But yeah, golf, golf game is pretty strong right now. I'm gonna take a break, obviously, with the winter, but good stuff. Yeah, uh, Thanksgiving was good too. While we're at it, Thanksgiving was phenomenal. Absolutely good. great. Yeah, good time with uh, with family. Good food. A couple naps. Some football. Although we got you know slighted obviously from the late you game know, of football. You know, but. it's funny. I've always thought this. The food's always good, but yeah. it's the only kind of food that we don't like. It's good, and everyone says it's good, but we don't eat it year round. Like it's think very about. True. Think about other foods that you like that you eat less of the rest of the year. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I guess maybe because it takes so long to prepare. But, yeah, it's it's kind of strange, right, to think about it that way. Right. And, yeah, the, the prep time is certainly a valid point. But you'd think somewhere along the way, if the food is so good, uh, a family would find time, <laughs> husband, true. wife, whoever, to, you know, make another similar dinner. But it just doesn't work out that way. I just thought it was funny. But um, let's get back to the college basketball. And one other observation that I want to talk about, we talked about the upset, uh, a, a more surprising upset at that in San Francisco. Though I will say, Bill, I, I kind of, when I saw that score, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I can't act like a San Francisco Dons expert. But um, <laughs> when I saw that score, you know, surprised, absolutely. But San Francisco has always been one of those teams in that, what are they, in that WCC yeah. with Gonzaga, where, you know, sometimes it's St. Mary's, or sometimes it's, I think BYU is in that league in basketball, and, you know, there's different teams that kind of aren't on the level of a Gonzaga, but mm -hmm. have the best shot at in a given year at upsetting them in the conference tournament. Right. And I want to say San Francisco, just as a program, has kind of been that team, uh, in recent seasons, again, still a very big surprise, but I saw that and thought, oh, well, maybe there's some things going for that program. Right. Yeah, yeah, they could definitely be one of those teams within that that West Conference that, you know, could surprise people and, and take Gonzaga to the wire. I still don't think anybody within that conference can pull the candle. Team, but, right. but, yeah, they, they have in the past. I can recall a couple of seasons where San Francisco was that, you know, second-tier team within the conference that – you know, is always playing them tough and then obviously playing them in the conference championship and then, you know, could always be a surprise come March if they actually make it in. So, yeah, it's not shocking when you put it that way, but still, I was just, personally, I was just so high on Virginia and then the way they played game one and how well Hauser played, I was like, wow, 
you know, these guys are legit. They're going to come in here and just blow everybody out early and gambling gods just smacked me in the face and said, no, stupid. You don't think you know more than you actually know. So it's an early wake up. It's okay. I'll live with it. Speaking of Thanksgiving, always get a piece of humble pie somewhere along the way over the course of a college basketball season. And now I just had to confirm that I wasn't talking out of my ass. Four straight win, four straight 20 win seasons for San Francisco. So um, it does seem like uh, that program has uh, some things going in its direction. The other big game, uh, at least, surprising result uh, to some degree over the weekend was Richmond upsetting Kentucky and uh, you mentioned it before we hopped on that it's a Richmond team excuse me it's a Richmond team that was the preseason favorite in the Atlantic 10 and probably has a chance come March to be you know a a decent seed and, and maybe a chance to get to the second weekend so maybe this one less of a surprise overall but but still an upset. Yeah, definitely. I, I I was not surprised by that outcome at all. We talked about Kentucky last pod, you know, with you know a typical Kentucky team, right? Like they're bringing all these new guys in, young guys in. You don't know how they're going to fare, and they're just mashed up. Like that was a terrible game for Kentucky to have early on the, in the season with a veteran Richmond team who, to me, is flying super under the radar prior to that game where people weren't really talking about them as a mid-major program that could make a run, and then. Boom, they right. had that game, and now, like, they're kind of like everybody's darling now. But facts are facts. Like, they are a strong team, and they, like you said, they're going to be a team that could potentially be, you know, like a sixth seed come to the tournament and, and make a deep run because, like, nobody really is going to follow their their season, you know, after that Kentucky game. Like, yeah, they'll, they'll remember that game, but they're not going to be, you know, paying attention to Richmond going forward, I don't believe. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, and – you know, we always got to keep an eye. We talk so often, and we'll get more into it in this pod, about the early season continuity and the experience. And, you know, just as I say this, uh, one of the bad beats of the week came with a team with a bunch of experience. That, of course, the Iowa Hawkeyes um, with the bad beat uh, there. Gosh, I can't even remember the team they were playing now. But they were, I'm assuming you saw this, they were given 28 points and the three at the buzzer went in. So, funny you bring that up. I actually got that number early and put it out early, thank God. Um, and I saw, like, all this stuff on Twitter about the band beat, and I'm like, wait, did I miss something? Did I have the wrong score that I saw later? And then I come to realize, okay, oh, yeah. You already, before you went on Twitter, saw that your ticket was a winner. Yes, correct. And I'm like, well, what are they freaking out about? And, I'm, you know, I'm getting worried that it was, all, you know, it's plenty of times it's happened where, you know, the, you know, the books either cash your ticket or, or, you know, put it in as a loss early. And then you come to find out that they were wrong. And that's what I was worried about. And then when I came back and looked at it, I said, all right, good. I just happened to have a good number. And, you know, unfortunately for a lot of people out there that jumped on Iowa a little bit late there, you know, it was a bad beat. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, you know, matters to us in our world, uh, but not necessarily the real world. Uh, Luca Garza had like 30 points at halftime, I think, of that Shit. game. They were playing Southern yeah. um, was the opponent. But obviously Iowa looking – very much like a force to be reckoned with. And speaking of forces to be reckoned with, I'll just talk a little bit, and we'll get more into Gonzaga at the end of the pod when we discuss their game against West Virginia uh, as we record on a Tuesday night, you listen on a Wednesday. Uh, But Gonzaga, I mean, very impressive uh, in that tournament uh, against Auburn and Kansas, obviously, was the the Thanksgiving game that I was keeping an eye on. And and gosh, they can score. I mean, you know, they got no problem getting up and down the floor and, uh, you know, certainly looks like the most, and, and obviously Mark Few's been there a while. 
but this looks like maybe the best team he's ever had there. Yeah, I can't deny that. I'm curious. This is an interesting matchup, uh, and again, we'll talk about it more, but you mentioned how easily they've been scoring the ball. You know, they're going to be playing a team in West Virginia who typically is a really good defensive team, but they've been allowing right. you know, points. But I think every game's been like in the 70s, which isn't really typical West Virginia. Um, right. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that game and, and how they play it. Um, yeah, as we watch, I'm watching the Kansas-Kentucky game now, and you know, it's going to give us a little more information with how these two teams pan out with you know, Kansas being the team that played uh, Gonzaga early on in that first game. So, sure. so yeah, and again, we're, we talked a little bit about, you know, our preseason looks in the conferences. And, you know, you mentioned Virginia, which I didn't want to really talk about too much because I was so high on them. Um, but some of the stuff that we spoke about uh, last pod, you know, came to fruition obviously very, very early on in the season. But, um, like, I, can just, I just want to mention a few things real quick. Uh, my sleeper team for the Big 12 is a team that has looked really good in Texas. Um, Greg Brown in the first game looked phenomenal. Um, today he didn't look yeah. he didn't look that. You good. know, it's funny you mentioned that one, Bill, because that was one where I thought today earlier today against I took Indiana. Weird line, Indiana closes yeah. a short favorite, unranked yeah. team, and and gosh, Texas it didn't matter. Just just the better team kicked the shit out of Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, they they look to be you know much stronger even than I. Again, I had them as a sleeper, but right now, I mean, they are easily top in their in their conference the way they're playing right now. Um, and I mentioned Greg Almost Brown, who want to fast forward to the games against Kansas and Baylor already. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, I'm happy to see Texas uh, panning out pretty well early on. Um, you asked me last week to give you a team, a mid-major team that we thought could make a run. Um, I gave you Houston, who was 25-1 to 1 at the time, and uh, they had a big win over a team who I was very low on in Texas Tech. Um, I was very clear about my, uh, I don't want to say hate because it's such a strong word, but my strong dislike for Mac McClung, who uh, is leading the, he's leading the Red Raiders in scoring, don't get me wrong, I mean, they need him for that. However, when they play a team like Houston, who is a strong program, uh, McClung was the leading scorer in that game, but he shot 3-for-11 from the field. He was 0-for-6 from 3. Again, I, I, I'm selling every single day on Mac, um, and I'm buying on Houston. And, again, they looked really, really good in that game. Uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to have going forward. And, you know, I know John Rothstein out there, Houston Redemption, he always likes to say, uh, so sure. early on in the season, they, they're redeeming things pretty early on. So hopefully that continues. And if anybody was able to snag that ticket at 25-1 to 1 early, I'm sure you're going to see smaller odds on that going forward this year. So let's get into some more of the Wednesday games. We're going to start with some of the uh, smaller kind of off-the-grid spots that we're looking at. Uh, of course, remember, all tickets cash is cash the same, and that I think is something that must always uh, reign true in college athletics when you have so much to look at and so many games in a rotation. But we'll, we'll start with a couple of power teams, and why not pick up where we just started and talk about, or just left off, I should say, and we'll talk about those Texas Longhorns taking on the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, Bill, this is one of your spots, so I'll let you take the reign here. We do not have a line or a total yet on this game, but where are you looking? So Texas, you mean Texas-UNC, right? Excuse me, Texas-North Carolina, yes. that's correct. Yeah, Texas-North Carolina, yeah. I'm not seeing a line just yet. I'm very curious as to what it comes out at. I'm personally putting this as a North Carolina slight, slight fave, one, maybe two and a half at the most. Um, and if that's the case, uh, I'm, I'm going to be playing Texas. I like the way that they're playing right now. Um, North Carolina, not not playing terrible, 
Um, we spoke about them at the last pod, how, you know, we look for this to be a big bounce back year for the Tar Heels. Um, and it looks like it's been that way so far. Uh, they yeah, did I struggle a little bit. With, they, they just beat Stanford. So that was my correct, confusion. Correct. And look, they Stanford played them tough. Stanford, again, that's another team that I had mentioned last week, um, who was kind of my sleeper team for the Pac-12. Uh, so it's not like they went out there and struggled against a bad team, uh, North Carolina against Stanford, but Texas has just looked so strong. I, I, I really can't fade them at all in this game. And, again, it wouldn't be a fade on North Carolina. It would be more so just me riding a, uh, a very, very hot Texas team right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, probably a fair point. I think it's worth noting, too, that when you get these teams in these early season tournaments where they're playing back-to-backs or three games in three days, I think that's where recent form matters more. Right, because yeah. you're on the floor. Like, and I don't, I won't have a play in this game. I haven't really looked at it a ton. But mm-hmm. how often do we? I, I feel like it is so much more often where, at least in my perspective, I want to bet on a team in a conference tournament if they've won two or three in a row. Like that to me means a lot more than if they've just won two or three in a row in the regular season and then you know they've had three days off or four days off in between games. That's just right. kind of the epic flow of the season, you know. Like I'll yeah. reference a preseason tournament because obviously the conference tournaments we're all watching, and I think there's always right. something to teams heating up in March. But yeah, last definitely. year, and sorry to just jump in real quick. Um, you know, a, a game that sticks out in my mind that I played uh, this weekend with Gonzaga playing Auburn. Now, granted, hindsight again, you know, Gonzaga is a much much better team than Auburn, um, but the fact that that Gonzaga. Not they handled their opponents, but they, you know, it was pretty much decided early on um, in the second half they were going to take the games. Auburn had played double overtime before going to play Gonzaga, and, like, I could not take more on Gonzaga in that game. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. They're playing well. Auburn's not playing well. Auburn just played double overtime. Like, there's no way they're going to have the horses to go out there and run with the top team in the country. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Gonzaga ran them out of the building. Um, and it kind of goes to your point where, you know, the team's playing well, and I kind of think that might carry over into this one, where Texas played very well against a good Indiana team. They put them away early. They didn't expend that much energy, and it's right. even North Carolina who had a tough time with Stanford. Again, not not doubting Stanford at all. They're a strong team, but the fact that UNC had to expend so much energy in that game, you know, to me, Texas, I think, has an advantage in that game because of that. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. And, and, yeah, you're right, that Auburn – like, I had St. Joe's in that game, and, I, like, I'll be honest, like, there wasn't a whole lot of sweat there with with the points in my back pocket, of course. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was uh, an Auburn team that we talked about, like, brand-new starting five, self-imposed pen, uh, postseason ban, just right. not a team that I'm going to find myself on a ton. Uh, it sounds like it's a rebuilding year down there for Bruce, Bruce Pearl – um, and more importantly for him, he's just got to stay out of trouble moving forward, yeah, exactly. which is a different conversation. But I do want to just make one last point here on these preseason tournaments. The team that really jumped out to me, and I think this is where it can be an edge. If you watch a team play and they just look really good, maybe that's when you want to put more stock into one game because we haven't seen as much of them. So the team that I'm going to reference last Last year, that really stands out, is Dayton. Going mm-hmm. to that Maui Invitational in Thanksgiving, and I'm looking now. I just pulled up the spreads. Three-point favorite against Georgia. Okay, okay of course, that's with Anthony Edwards right. debuting early on there at Georgia. 
They beat Georgia by 19. Then the next game, they're a four-point favorite against Virginia Tech, who, if you remember, had a big upset win in that event over Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Okay, Dayton, as a four-point favorite, beats Virginia Tech by 27. So these lines are not even like the – so you might have thought, oh, you know, Virginia Tech off that big win over Michigan State. But Dayton just destroys two Power Five programs. And obviously, Georgia and Virginia Tech didn't really go on to – do a ton the rest of the season, although Virginia Tech did just have a big win over Villanova. Um, then Kansas ends up going to overtime, and, and you know, of course, this is the game I remember I took Dayton. Mm-hmm. I take Dayton catching four, three and a half against Kansas, I should say, in the championship of the Maui Invitation. When it goes to overtime, unfortunately, Kansas ends up winning the game by six, and I had a losing ticket. But I think the point I'm making here is that was a sign very early on that Dayton was legit, and it proved to be true. And if that's the case, the market is not going to react early enough yet because it's so early in the season. So your point on Texas, I think, is good because if we think that they're as good as Kansas and if we think they're as good as Baylor, I guarantee you the odds makers don't think that yet. So you're right. going to have an advantage if you think that Texas is that good right now. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm ready to put them up into that upper echelon, but – you know, point taken, and I never thought of it that way, but like you mentioned, those early tournaments, a team like Dayton, what they did last year, could be telling. So I'm definitely going to put that in my back pocket and pay attention to it. Good point. Appreciate that. Uh, by the way, let's just talk about that. I mentioned just in passing there, the Virginia Tech, that was another upset, and you're a Nova guy. What did you make of the Wildcats going down? Yeah, it was it was pretty disheartening. I think that they got really exposed with a dribble drive, unfortunately, defensively. They, you know, again, it's early on in the season, however – it scares me a little bit because it, the fact they were exposed that early uh, could be a problem. However, you know, I mentioned to you earlier before we were talking about, you know, the Virginia loss could be a blessing in disguise for them. Uh, that might not be a blessing in disguise for Nova. It's like, hey, we know we have to be able to defend the dribble drive better, you know, and that's maybe what they're going to work on much more often come practice times heading into the season. Um, you know, again, you'd rather lose early than lose late, but – it was it was tough for me to watch. Uh, don't get me wrong, because uh, again, I'm a big Nova guy, and and I had high expectations for them. Uh, not to say that they won't you know pan out come later on in the season, but that was a that was a tough hit. And who knows what Virginia Tech's going to be you know the rest of the way. I didn't expect them to be um, a top program within their own league. Uh, so the fact they were able to knock off Nova was a surprise, but. We'll see what goes on the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, second-year coach there with Mike Young, who did such a good job at Wofford, and I mentioned that win over Michigan State. I think even that was a sign that, you know, Virginia Tech at least got the right coach, and now they beat Villanova, and maybe they can be more consistent this year in the ACC, but certainly a big win for the Hokies. We're going to run through the rest of our kind of off-the-grid games now uh, and and other games that we're looking at, and I'm going to look to a short underdog in the Atlantic 10 and I'm going to go with uh, Duquesne. Catching, it looks like, two and a half right now on the road against UNC Greensboro. And um, I'll just be honest. Like, I looked more at to, into Duquesne, and I think this is a team that the market is going to be slow to respond to, and you're going to be getting value early in the season with. They have four returning starters back, in, and they also have some key bench players back. So they got probably two-thirds of the roster from last year is returning at least. Uh, one of those key bench players is Tavion Martin-Dunn, who's the best three-point shooter, and we know how important three-point shooting is just in basketball at all levels right now. 
Uh, Duquesne has not been to the NCAA tournament since 1977, and it sounds like there's a real chance for them to get to the big dance this year. A couple of those other key returning players are fifth-year seniors Marcus Weathers and Michael Hughes, both studs in the front court. And I mentioned the shooter Martin Dunn back. Uh, Sincere Carey is their point guard who has also returned. So a ton of guys back for Duquesne. I love that. And despite all that, they were picked to finish fifth in the Atlantic 10. So maybe that just says that the Atlantic 10 is going to be a league to keep an eye on. We just saw Davidson go right down to the wire. I mentioned my tough loss there with Davidson still covering as one-and-a-half-point underdogs against Providence. And Davidson, I think it was yesterday, uh, picked up a victory uh, as well, or a cover, excuse me, against Texas. Um, But Duquesne bringing so many guys back, and the coach there, by the way, Keith D'Ambrot, was uh, LeBron James' high school coach, which is an interesting little little tidbit there. there, Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they're taking on UNC Greensboro here, who is the favorite in the Southern Conference. Um, But one thing that I always look for, and I'll get more into this with one of my other picks, when you're talking about, you know, like the A-10 is, we can call it a mid-major league, but obviously that's a multi-bid NCAA league, usually. Like, the Southern Conference is normally automatic bid or nothing. And if you're going to be the auto bid out of that league and you're going to be a team that, you know, I'm going to take seriously in non-conference games, then you got to really dominate your conference, right? And they're the favorite in the conference, but only by the coaches. This conference does polls by the coaches and by the media, and Furman is the favorite in the Southern Conference by in the media poll. So I just think that's interesting there. Not the definitive favorite uh, is Greensboro. Uh, and they won their opener. This is all. This is another tournament. This is an event going on in Louisville. Uh, I think this is another reason why there might be some value. I just talked about how sometimes the value of one game can mean more early on, but I'm kind of going to go against that here because UNC Greensboro won its opener and covered against Arkansas Little Rock, and Duquesne lost its opener by 10 points as a favorite against Arkansas Little Rock. Um, so... You're going to see Greensboro playing the second leg of a back-to-back. They played tonight. Um, and the uh, Southern Conference last year, they were not the uh, the favorite in, and they were the number three seed in the conference tournament and lost their first game in the conference tournament. So they're bringing back a lot of bench guys that are now becoming starters, Greensboro that is, and they signed a transfer uh, to start now who came over from Central Arkansas, but only two returning starters so it sounds like they're counting on a lot of guys there to grow into their roles whereas Duquesne is bringing a lot of guys back in the same roles uh and I think for you know mid low major programs uh sometimes that matters even more uh and as I said I think it's also just a a nice kind of play against Greensboro off of their win over Little Rock and the loss for Duquesne uh creates uh the wrong team being favored here at least the least talented team being favored here so I, I think Duquesne is a good play here plus the two and a half I won't ask you to comment a ton on the game but <laughs> the 10 at large where do you kind of do you think Duquesne could at least be an NCAA tournament team yeah for sure I mean and you, you stated it right like we're both uh high on teams that are bringing majority of their guys back starters back um especially when it comes to this early early action so you know, I have no problem with that play. You know, come tournament time, who knows? Uh, you mentioned A10 could be a stronger conference than it has been in the past, which I think would be great for the game. Um, again, us being, you know, Northeast type of guys, to see the A10 thrive will be a good thing. Sure, absolutely. 
Um, uh-huh. Let's move forward. And uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, I want to give out another one of my plays, and I'll be brief here. Although it is a power conference team, I'm going to go with the Penn State Nittany Lions as home chalk against the Virginia Commonwealth Rams. It looks like Penn State is a four-point home favorite in this game. First time that they have ever met against Virginia Commonwealth in program history. And uh, Penn State is another team bringing back a lot of starters. They do have four starters back. It is worth noting that the one starter that is not there anymore, Lamar Stevens, was their best player last year. But Penn State was a lock, basically, to make the NCAA tournament last year. They won over 20 games in the Big Ten. You know, so they were trending in a nice direction before COVID obviously threw the world for a spin. Um, and despite that, I think this is interesting. Penn State picked to finish ninth in the preseason poll in the Big Ten this year. So, yes, we normally look at the Big Ten as a deep league, and that could still be the case this year. But I think sometimes there's an overreaction to a star player leaving. Uh, and, you know, Lamar Stevens leaves. Everybody else back for Penn State. Now I think all those guys, like, that's an interesting bet on team, in my opinion, early on. Because now you got all these guys trying to come with a chip on their shoulder, right? And prove that, you know, this team was bigger than just our one-star player. And they do have a Myron Jones who averaged 13 points a game and shot 40% from three last year. Um, and Isaiah Brockington and Miles Dredd, a couple other players in the rotation for them that averaged close to double double figures last year that are asked to grow into bigger roles now. So... Considering all of that, I think Penn State is a good bet on team early in the season uh, with some chips on the shoulder. And then for Virginia Commonwealth, pick a finish in the middle of the pack of the A-10, like below Duquesne, who we just finished talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were picked ninth in the preseason poll this year, VCU. So um, just one returning starter. So we always look at the mismatches in returning starters, 4-1 to one here for Penn State. Uh, I think the Knits are a good play here, laying the short number at home. So let me ask you this. Again, I'm, I'm not going to have a play on this one at all. Do, do you have any concern with the fact of the you know upheaval with Pat Chambers being let go um, not too long ago? You know, This wasn't something that happened at the end of last year where they were able to like really figure out what's going what's to be going forward with the team. Uh, does that concern you at all with, with him, him leaving? Yeah, so that's interesting uh, because obviously uh, – it's not like normally you hear in pro sports when a coach leaves, like sometimes it can, if it's in the middle of the season, it can be like a bet on thing because maybe they didn't like the coach or whatever. Right. Um, I think if that were more of a, that would be more of a concern for me if Penn state didn't handle its business in its first game. Um, so I know it was only against VMI, but they won and covered uh, and, and it was a big spread, which they were able to cover. So, and I'm seeing here, it looks like, VCU might be a little bit of a trendy dog getting more than 50% of the action uh, early on with this opening number. So um, I just, it's as much of a play against VCU as it is on Penn State. But as I said, the fact Penn State was able to win by 20 plus against VMI, a lot of guys back. uh, I like them. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to take us, uh, I'm going to take my other small play here, which I don't really know. Uh, again, what, what the line's <laughs> going to be yet. Uh, but it's the same same tournament as, as I discussed earlier out in Maui with – well, it should be out in Maui. It is the Maui Invitational, but it's taking place in uh, in North Carolina. Uh, but it's Stanford and Indiana. Uh, we saw Indiana get uh, manhandled by Texas earlier today. Stanford, who hung tough with UNC. 
Um, I'm likely going to be playing Indiana here as long as I get a short number. I believe that they should be a small, small favorite. Um, if it does come out that Stanford is favored in this game, I'm probably going to lay off. Um, and if Indiana is anything greater than two, um, I'm probably going to be playing it for at least two units. Uh, but I, I got a feeling it's going to be a small number where I might end up playing the money line and only playing it for one unit. Uh, Indiana, like, I, I really feel like this is the type of spot where, you know, the line's really going to dictate the play because you're either going to see the line come out because, in, in a way, for Stanford, saying Stanford is a small favorite because they played a North Carolina team so tough, or you're going to see it because Indiana just got beat pretty bad last game. So if the line comes out as Indiana favorite, I, I have to I have to take the Hoosiers there. Uh, but again, it's going to be dictated, you know, depending on what the line is uh, when it comes out probably early tomorrow. Um, so looking at that one, possibly playing the Hoosiers. Uh, and I'm going to jump around real quick to another game. Sure. Uh, about a, I'm, This is more probably a fade uh, on, on Oregon than it is a play on Missouri here. Uh, we spoke about Oregon uh, last pod in our preview. The loss of Peyton Pritchard, I think, is going to be so much bigger than everybody wants it to make it out to be. Uh, Missouri brings back a lot of guys. They bring four or five starters back. They bring back their top seven scorers. Uh, Drew Smith, a guy who averaged around 12, I expect to be averaging closer to 18 a game this season. Xavier Pinson, a guy who averaged 11. I'm looking at him to possibly average around 15. Um, I'm going to be playing the Mizzou Tigers here at uh, plus four and a half. There's a possibility I might sprinkle a little bit on the money line. And another reason why I really, really like this play, especially as a dog, and I look at this a lot of times when I'm going to play a dog, is how the team shoots from the free throw line. Like, they're the reasons why those teams tend to stick around. Um, And, again, normally, okay, it's a brand-new season. You really can't look back at last year's stats. But, again, I just mentioned they're bringing back four or five starters and their top seven scorers. So that's the majority of their free throw percentage is going to come from those guys. One other thing that – go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, they shot 78% from the line, which to me is like, as a former coach, like, that's what you want to see. Like Anything above 70 is, is livable with, but a, but a team to shoot almost 80% from the foul line is amazing to me. And the fact that they're going to be getting points to where, you know, come down late in the game where they're trying to, you know, stay 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 tight and, you know, go into the basket, getting fouled and knocking down these free throws, it should pay dividends in this game. Yeah, I'll say a couple things there, actually. First, I think that the concept of looking at free throws when you're betting underdogs is smart because this is also just a kind of a, a, a cross-sport, you know, gambling proverb, I feel like, mm-hmm. is when when you take an underdog, you want to make sure that whatever the sport may be, that they're not, they're not going to do things and, and that they're not going to commit self-inflicted wounds. And that sounds obvious right mm-hmm. but how many times do you say you watch a football game like I'll go back to a game a buddy of mine this earlier this year had Denver against Kansas City when uh, the game was played in uh, Denver and you know he looked at the box score after the game and was like yo this this is a blowout but you know Denver had more yards like I you know and, and little things like that it makes me feel like my play wasn't that bad and if you remember that football game Kansas City scored on defense and they ran a kickback and it's the type of stuff where, like, when that happens against the Chiefs, it's like, well, you have no chance. Like, right. if you if you give up defense and special teams touchdowns, you're just not going to win. If you turn the ball over, you know, as an underdog, your margin for error is obviously smaller because you are 
theoretically the worst team in the game. Exactly. So I think that translates to basketball with free throws where it's like, all right, they're free. So exactly. I convert agree. them and give yourself a chance because if you don't, then it's going to get a lot harder. So Right. right. And, you, and you mentioned another big piece, right, turnovers. Like, you know, football, obviously, it's much bigger because there's just such a limited amount of them. Um, but basketball, when I'm looking at a dog, too, I'm not going to take a dog if they're – you know, averaging eighteen to twenty turnovers, like yeah, yeah, because you know it's bound to happen. You know, because chances are that team is in a in a lower league, and they shouldn't be turning the ball over that much anyway. Now you're going to go as a team that's a much better team than you. Right. Chances are you're going to be turning the ball over at a much higher rate. So yeah, that's that, that's right. another good point to to mention when when trying to play underdogs. Well, then my other point that I think makes sense about the free throw shooting, and this is more just exclusive to college basketball. Uh, and, and and I'll even say college sports in general. I mean, how many times like we all everybody jokes about college kickers, you know, yeah. every every college football Saturday, you know, because they're missing kicks left and right that NFL kickers would make easily. And I think as far as basketball goes, if you're betting an underdog, you want them to shoot good at the free throw line because let's remember these are 18 to 22 year old kids. So if they're an underdog, you know, and and they're win they're got a chance then there could be some nerves right and if they're yeah. normally not good free throw shooters in the first place then maybe those free throws get even harder when you're looking at a blue blood program not that Oregon's a blue blood but I think you catch my drift here that yeah. you want them to be able to shoot the free throws the same as if they're an underdog versus a favorite and I just think when they're a dog like mentally you know if you got a guy that's not a good free throw shooter and, you know, they're facing a pretty good team, then, you know, that gives me more cause for pause. So the fact that Missouri shoots free throws well makes me like this, too. I actually might tail this play. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, and the fact that they're a short dog at this, too. Again, we talked about Peyton Pritchard. If it's going to be a close game at the end, who who's the guy that's going to step up for them? I don't think sure. anybody knows who that is just yet. I could be wrong that there might be a, a name that we haven't spoken about prior who steps up and, and knocks down some big shots you know, come the end of that game, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be taking the points. And again, there's a slight chance I might sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. So I want to wrap things up in our first half of the pod and just uh, talk about one uh, mid-major program that I'm going to be buying uh, on Wednesday night. And that is the South Dakota state Jackrabbits. Uh, I saw this number. It looked like it opened four, uh, seeing three and a half mostly now against Iowa state. Um, and, this is another spot. I talked about this on last week's pod, spot I was eyeing up that I cast with on Saturday. That, of course, was the St. Louis Billikens, another A-10 team that's projected to do pretty well, um, against LSU. And I think this is very similar here, where you have South Dakota State, the preseason favorite in the Summit League. And I talked earlier about how some of these other leagues, like the Big South, where I just talked about with UNC Greensboro, or South Dakota State in the Summit League. If you're the preseason favorite, and I'm going to bet you against a Power 5 team, I want you to be the overwhelming preseason favorite in your conference, where it's like, all right, you got a chance to actually be a 10 or an 11 seed and get to a second weekend or maybe pull an upset in the tournament. That's the kind of, you know, low major team that or mid-major that I like to invest in, is a team like a South Dakota State now, that gets opportunities in the, like they're the heavy favorite in the summit league this year. They got 33 out of 36 first place votes in the preseason poll. And they're bringing back the conference player of the year in uh, Douglas Wilson. And 
now they're playing an Iowa State team that is just middle of the road in the pack, in the Big 12. Like we mentioned that we won't maybe we're not quite ready to put Texas up in the Baylor Kansas tier, but if Texas is kind of in that middling tier, well they're definitely a better team than Iowa State. I'll tell you that much. Um Iowa State seven new players on the roster including four freshmen uh this year and they've only played one game and it was against one of the worst teams uh in the entire country uh earlier this year. Uh so excuse me, one of the worst teams in the country from obviously last season, mm-hmm. uh, 2019-2020. So, you know, they win the game uh, that they played, and, and you only play who's on your schedule. But, um, you know, it was uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff that they beat. So, and last year, Pine Bluff went 4-26. and So, really not putting any stock into that win for Iowa State. And I just think straight up, this is a the better team in South Dakota State. I mentioned the players coming back um, and the turnover for Iowa State. Uh, South Dakota State also played three games, and I know they're only one and two straight up. Two and one against the spread. They Another Big 12 team that's better than Iowa State. South Dakota State covered against West Virginia and Mm -hmm. gave them a good game, and they beat Utah State by 24 as a (laughs) three-point underdog. So clearly performing well early on. And again, I think this is maybe a little recency bias. South Dakota State's most recent game lost to St. Mary's, a team that both you and I mentioned we don't really like that much. Lost Mm -hmm. by 13. I'm willing to give them a pass primarily because I just think, as I said, they're a better team than Iowa State. I'll take the points late. I like South Dakota State plus three and a half. Yeah, and I, we mentioned earlier before we got on here, um, I like that as well. All, everything you were saying, um, what, and my only question is, are you going to be playing the points or are you going to play the money line at all? Yeah, so that's interesting. Like I mentioned, probably taking the three and a half because late close game, but maybe this the, I just laid out the case to take the money line because right. I just said as a three-point underdog against Utah State, they won by 24. So, you know... And, like, yes, at the same time, they covered and lost against West Virginia. But we're going to talk about West Virginia. That's obviously a top 25 team. And I I just don't think that Iowa State is a very good team, period. So maybe I will just look to South Dakota State on the money line. Either way, I want a piece of the Jackrabbits side. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to be jumping on that as well and tailing that play um, for at least a unit on it. Uh, Again, I'm not going to dive into it too much. You, You pretty much stated all the facts that need to be stated on that one. Um, so yeah, hopefully a Jackrabbits can get done for us tomorrow. So let's take a break and we'll come back and wrap up discussing the two biggest games of the college basketball Wednesday. Football is back in full swing. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off on wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, but with every means possible to make a critical hire. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world 
with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed also helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. That's by total visits. So it's clear that Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why three million, more than 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined, as always, by my college basketball partner in crime, Lucha Larry is how you find him on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks 2. As we're going to look to the two big games, neutral site games, nice twin bill in Indianapolis on a Wednesday night as you listen to this. And we're going to start with the Gonzaga Bulldogs, the number one team in the land, taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers. We're seeing uh, Gonzaga be about a seven and a half, eight point chalk in this game, total of 154 and a half. And, Bill, I'll start. We talked a little bit about this game uh, in the beginning when we talked about Gonzaga's start, and we just finished talking some Big 12 with Iowa State and and West Virginia. Obviously, very contrasting styles here. We have a Gonzaga team that we know wants to get up and down, that we know uh, is very athletic uh, and and can beat you a lot of different ways. I mean, they they can shoot from the three-point line and – we saw some very explosive athletic plays from Jalen Suggs, the high recruit that they have at the program this year. Um, and, and obviously a lot of guys back through. Timmy can beat you inside. Corey Kispert can kind of score from every area on the court, it feels like. Um, so it's a very offensively gifted Gonzaga team. And obviously West Virginia is going to do what West Virginia normally, or at least try and do what West Virginia always does. And that is to try and slow the game down, muck it up, and play a lower-scoring game. And you mentioned it, how even games in the 70s that the Mountaineers have played so far this year are feel like high-scoring games for them. So that is what I, the angle that I want to exploit here. I do think that this is a side-total correlation where if you like West Virginia, you probably have to like the under. And if you like Gonzaga, you probably have to look to the over. But ask yourself this. What's more likely to happen here? Gonzaga to beat West Virginia at West Virginia's game or West Virginia to beat Gonzaga at Gonzaga's game. It's clearly the former and not the latter. And so I don't know that it's like, while I do think that it could be a side total correlation, I, I don't know that it's one that you have to look to play both angles of. And that's why I think the under is the play. And this is where I want to let you kind of aid me a little here, Bill, because I'm torn <laughs> as to if I should go the full game under or the first half under, because this is what I'm thinking. If There's no doubt that West Virginia early on 
if it's going to have any chance here, is needs to slow the game down right out of the get-go and needs to really grind Gonzaga down to try and wear them down. And hopefully by that last 10 minutes, they're in the game and, you know, Gonzaga's a little thrown off its rhythm. So that makes me think first half because West Virginia is really, to keep it close, they're going to have to keep it low scoring early. Um, and the reason that I'm concerned about taking full game is that I do think that playing the, like West Virginia just going full West Virginia on Gonzaga and winning this game like first to 70 wins, mm-hmm. like I just don't know if they can do that for 40 minutes. And I think at a certain point, Gonzaga might be able to speed it up. Just some things I noticed in my research on West Virginia that I'll get in on now. West Virginia already two to the two and one to the under in three games this year, and their games uh, this year so far uh, have averaged 143 total points, and we're seeing a total here of uh, 154 and a half. Um, West Virginia last year never had a total higher than. Uh, of 150 or higher, 149 and a half was their highest total. Um, and then I also just think when you're talking about betting unders, you always want to try and look at how the team shoots from the perimeter. And we know West Virginia struggles making three-point shots. Last year, they were just 28% from three-point land. That's 342nd in the country. And oh, by the way, West Virginia, again, all these things, for all these reasons I'm mentioning, stone cold under team last year, 21 and nine to the under, and so, so far this year, in their three games against Western Kentucky, 5 for 12 from 3, against VCU, 6 for 16 from 3, and against San Diego State, 8 for 32 from 3. So, in those first last two games I mentioned, West Virginia and VCU, Western Kentucky, excuse me, and VCU, they combined to shoot 28 threes. Against San Diego State, they shoot 32 threes, but they only make 8. So we know that it's not a West Virginia team that's going to shoot a lot of threes, and if they do, they're not going to make them. It's just not their game. So having said all of that, um, how do you see this game? I think you're more interested in the side, but what do you think about my analysis there on the under, and do you think it's more of a full game play or a first half play? I think if I was going to play a total, I'd probably play the first half. I'd probably go under in the first half, like you mentioned. Because sure. um, you can still see, as good as Gonzaga is, you can still see them come out and struggle a little bit early on um, with a West Virginia defense who can stymie really good offensive teams. So right. if I was going to play so that, I would definitely – I would definitely, like, Can they do that the whole 40 minutes? Yeah. I, look, I'm taking Gonzaga, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think that this Gonzaga You're team – seven and a half, eight full game. Yeah, I, I have it booked at seven. I, I put it out to my guys earlier, and I said, um, you know, I really think this closing line is going to be close to nine. If, if it even got the ten, like, it wouldn't blow my mind. Um, so I think there's some value in getting that out early. Uh, but I just don't think this West Virginia team um, is going to be able to keep every single player on Gonzaga in check. They're just right. they're just such a complete team, and they can go inside, they can go outside, they shoot free throws well, like we talked about earlier. Um, I just don't see West Virginia being able to stay in this game the entire way. Could I see them covering the first half? Absolutely. Could I see them being within, you know, a couple of points late in the game? Absolutely. But when it comes down to it at the end, and if they're going to be committing fouls, this is a... Gonzaga team that shoots well over 75% from the foul line. Um, so, so they're not going to blow it late, I don't feel. So, you know, again, 
everybody that's on this Gonzaga team, with as strong as they are from top to bottom, and can do so much inside, they can, they can score outside, they can score in transition. If they want to slow it down, they can play in a half-court set. I just think that West Virginia is going to try and throw every kind of junk at them defensively, and I think it's just going to fail. Uh, you know, Some pieces might work where they slow them down for a bit, but over the course of the entire game, I just do not see uh, West Virginia keeping this Gonzaga team that is averaging 96 points per game you know, early. It's only been two games, um, but they did it against a team in, in Kansas, who I'm watching right now is holding a Kentucky team uh, to 45 points with only seven minutes to go in the game. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be playing Gonzaga. I'm laying the seven. And, again, I think we're going to see that number tick up closer to nine uh, when it comes closing time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably the way I would look on the side as well. And, like I said, I think West Virginia could have some success stymieing Gonzaga early enough to keep the first half under, uh, but I probably won't get involved with the full game under. Uh, so I'll probably look first half under in this one. Let's wrap things up with the second game in Indianapolis, and that's the Baylor Bears against the Illinois Fighting Illini. And obviously, uh, these are two more top programs, national championship contenders. Illinois beat its first two, compo- first two opponents by a combined 121 points and then only beat the Ohio Bobcats on Friday by two. Perhaps a look-ahead spot there for Illinois. No, I did not take Ohio, but just <laughs> something that might have been happening there for the Fighting Illini on Friday. Um, and so I would argue maybe you have a look-ahead element here for Baylor because while they are playing Illinois, coming up on Saturday is a massive game that certainly college basketball fans will be watching, and it'll probably just garner national attention it's Gonzaga against Baylor, number one versus number two. And it is Scott Drew's first game back, returning from a positive COVID test. All of that, uh, you know, makes me hesitant to back Baylor here. Uh, I was more inclined to look to Illinois in the first half because I think that could result to a slow start for Baylor. Haven't played it yet. I'm not sure I will because, uh, you know, I really like that Missouri pick, Bill, and I'll probably tell that. Leaning Illinois, uh First half, uh, not quite sure how this one plays out. Full game, obviously, the guard battle uh, will be a fun one to watch between, you know, two guys that could be All-Americans by the time the season's done. Yeah, and and that's one of the main reasons why I'm going to be playing uh, Baylor. I actually gave this game out yesterday. Uh, I had some look-ahead line out there at Baylor, only minus two. We see it all the way up to five already. Um we talked about you talked about Illinois first two games blowing out their opponents. They come against an Ohio team who is not the greatest team, and again, it's pro, it was probably a look ahead spot for them. Um, but they struggled against them. You don't see um, Illinois defend the perimeter all that well. That's where Ohio really burned them. Uh, Baylor's strength obviously is their perimeter game. They have arguably the best uh, backcourt in the country, and Baylor also cleans the glass really well. They, I think they're going to be able to take Cockburn out of this game. And by taking him out of the game, I mean just keep him off the glass where he tends to do a lot of damage. Um, so that's why I'm going to be playing Baylor. I'm a little nervous to play it at the number it's at now and what the number is going to be probably when this closes. But the fact that I was able to get it out at two makes me feel much, much more comfortable um, only laying those couple of points. Uh, again, the best backcourt in the country. I don't see them slowing down uh, Macy Teague at all in this one. Um, he's going to continue to roll. It's going to be a good game, uh, don't get me wrong, but, again, getting that number out at two 
makes me feel really happy. And that's something I know you've, you've spoken about um, plenty of times in the past, whether it be college basketball, whether it be college football, or whether it be the NFL. I think it's really important to always state that, you know, getting the number early, if it's possible to do it, and a prime example of that is what you saw happen last night uh, in the NFL with the Eagles and, and Seattle game, sure. um, right. where everybody oh, and their mother was on Seattle, but the problem was they took them when the number was at the worst possible number at six or six and a half. Um, again, I, again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but again, the importance behind it, I was able to get that out at five early on in the week, and it paid dividends because we saw what happened at the end of the game. Philly had absolutely no business covering that number, um, but that kind of stuff happens. And the fact that uh, you know so many guys played that at six and a half and. To be honest, a lot of those guys on Twitter were calling the game pretty early, which I didn't want to get into it with anybody, obviously. But uh, and, and you mentioned oh, well, that, and that's another thing. Like if you've been down this road, you you know that it, it's never over until triple zeros are on the clock. Hundred percent. You know, we, and you mentioned in the intro of this podcast, right? The gambling gods are a fickle bunch. You see people, you know, trying to say the game's over with plenty of time left. Uh, those type of things happen. So I like to try and keep my mouth shut the entire game until, again, like you mentioned, right. the final buzzer hits. Um, because I, I really do. I am superstitious, and I believe that that does play a part in it. Um, and that's why I love when I see the opposite. You know, when I see guys trying to call the game early, and I'm on the opposite side, I'm like, oh, yeah, keep yeah. talking. Just keep talking. You're going to no, it, down it's, You know, it's funny you mention this because we'll just end on this note and just how we kind of handle our emotions. I mentioned that St. Louis game against – West Virginia, and I was on St. Louis giving three and a half points, and at halftime on Saturday, St. Louis is up double digits, and, you know, the average person might think, oh, you know, you're in good shape, you know, you're up double digits with, uh, you know, St. Louis, you got to be feeling pretty good, and in a weird way, I, it was almost the opposite, because I was just waiting for that number like, like you just are always expecting things to come back to the number and that's why you want to get the best of the number because you never know when that extra half point that you were able to get out in front of is really going to make a difference it's never a bad idea and sure enough that point of making St. Louis ends up winning the game by four points and covers by the hook and I'm not even going to speak to I don't know where that line went I don't know if it was two and a half three and got bet up but it's just uh, such a great point. Excuse me, I said West Virginia. They were playing LSU, um, but they were up 10 at half and um, got outscored by six in the second half and covered by the hook. And it's just another reminder that, you know, these games are never over. UCLA covered against Pepperdine the other night, giving seven points in triple overtime. They still managed to cover. Like, just nothing's ever safe, and you always want to try and beat line moves. And, at the same time, I think, Bill, when you mentioned it with a team like Baylor, like this is the number one team in the country or number two team in the country, whatever they are, uh, you know that every, almost every time that's going to be a public play to a degree, maybe not as much this time against a ranked Big Ten team like Illinois. Um, but that further emphasizes, like, if you want to take a team like Seattle in the NFL, like, more often than not, you're going to have to get bet that game early in the week. Like, that's just the nature of of the business. Otherwise, if you're looking for action 30 minutes before kickoff on one of those teams, like you're going to get a bad number. That's just the reality. So uh, just a long-winded kind of uh, diatribe there, but um, 
let's uh, kind of end on that note. Again, yeah, I, before, I'm, before I'm we get out of here, like before we get out of here, I don't know. Oh, that before I'll... we get, before we get out of here, we got one of the strangest things. You know, 2020 has been a strange year. We got one of the strangest things. We're gonna get an NFL game on a Wednesday at 3:40 in the afternoon yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, and then and then if, next week we're gonna get a Monday Night Football doubleheader, a Tuesday game. And then nobody's impacted by next week on Thursday, so we're going to get that too. I, I, you know, I'm here for it. I absolutely love this <laughs> chaos, and that we're getting games. But give me a play, real quick. Give me something for this uh, wacky Wednesday game for the NFL coming up tomorrow. Ooh, gosh, I didn't even. I'll be honest. Like once I saw Lamar Jackson not playing, I probably just wanted to get away from the game entirely. Okay. Um, but. You have something in mind. I mean, forty-two and a half looks like kind of a low total in the NFL world today. So maybe I'd look to go over and think that RG three could move the ball enough. But what, where are you going? So with this gonna, real quick, one thing: it's I'm, I'm not going to have a play, at least not yet, on the on the uh, spread or the total. I'm going to have a prop play. I'm going to put out here real quick. Okay. Um, but if you're looking at the spread and you're looking at that number being 10, 10 and a half, and you're scared and you're saying, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be able to cover that number, and I think Baltimore can keep it tight, Baltimore's going to be starting a center who has never taken a snap in an NFL football game before. And he's snapping the ball to RG3, who is, at the end of the day, RG3. So just keep that in mind. Not telling you to take Baltimore. Not telling you to take Pittsburgh. Say, that just sounds like a lean on Pittsburgh. <laughs> But um, I'm actually going to be taking the over for Benny Snell rushing yards, um, which I'm seeing at, I think, 57, maybe 57 and a half on some places. Uh, this this Baltimore team has been dreadful. Granted, they gave up 173 to Derrick Henry last game, which is a big chunk of it. However, over the last three games, they've given up an um, average of 152 yards. Damian Harris ran all over him with, with New England. I was going to say concerns though. Pittsburgh has been struggling to run the ball despite their offense. 100%. And you look back at the last game they played, they were able to hold um, James Conner down under 30 yards. So to me, and that was Jacksonville. Right. So that doesn't make any sense. Like why are they, why are they able to hold him to 28 and you have the backup running back and Benny Snell coming out there and the total for him is at 57. So I'm going to be playing the over. I think it might end up being juiced a little bit. Um, but I see them getting on top of these guys early, and they want to keep Big Ben, who's always banged up, a little bit healthier come the end of the season. So I think they're going to be pounding the rock a little bit late with Benny Snell. And in my opinion, as of, at right now, at this point, I really think Benny Snell is a better back than James Conner. I know it's kind of blasphemy, especially for those folks in Pittsburgh to hear, um, and I am a James Conner fan, but I think Benny Snell is going to put on a little bit of a show uh, tomorrow afternoon. Well, it sounds like as somebody that's got fantasy on the line, I got Ben and Juju, I should expect a loss. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. No. No, who so, knows? There he is, Lucha Larry. Follow him on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks, too. My name is Greg Frank. Follow me in all, for all of my picks at Undercover Greg. Bill, always fun. We'll do it again next week with another College Hoops edition. Sounds good. Take care. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. And, of course, please. Play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.